What a joy it is for me this morning to be back to where my life began. Grew up three houses down from here. I'm the youngest son of Ray and Loretta Wiener, for those of you who've been around for a while and may have remembered them as uh, members of this church. I'm uh, grateful for my roots as I look back throughout my years for the volunteers who invested in me, the Sunday school teachers, catechism teachers, youth leaders, choir directors. Took a little tour of the building when I got here this morning because it's been a long time, and I, I actually recognized two or three rooms that, that uh, they're still where they used to be, and they're still used for something close to what their original purpose was. But it's, uh, it, it's beauty to see that there's vitality here and that things are changing and transitioning to adapt to the, the world as it is in 2022. I was 21 when I left North Island Reformed Church to start a path in ministry and haven't been back actually in the sanctuary since 2008 for both of my mother and my father's funerals. But along the way, since that time, I, I started my first decade of ministry was in youth ministry and First Reformed Church in Granville and music and education, Christian education as well. And during that time, went back to seminary, started uh, in ministry as a kind of a turnaround situation in a church that was in decline. From there, I planted a church, and from there, became a classes leader for Great Lake City Classes, which is on the south side of Grand Rapids, but from Hudsonville, it actually goes down now to Kentucky. And then most recent years, I've been working as the director of church multiplication for the Reformed Church in America. A couple years ago, we, we set a goal that we wanted by 2038, so a 20-year period, we wanted to have 100,000 new disciples of Jesus. And in order to do that, our goal was to plant 1,000 churches. So that's what I'm working on these days, which means about one a week for 20 years. Some of those are in North America, but more recently in the last couple of years, we've also been planting in other parts of the world. Just came back from Europe where we're planting in Romania, in Germany, Portugal, Spain, Hungary, uh, even the Netherlands. If you're familiar with the Reformed Church roots, we're going back to where it all started. And then throughout South America, Guatemala, Venezuela, Costa Rica, Dominican Republic, uh, throughout most of that southern hemisphere. So these are exciting times as we see God opening doors that just weren't there two or three years ago. And to see the the variety of, of people who he's bringing into the kingdom of the Reformed Church in America, it's a thrill to be a part of that. I also want to say thanks on behalf of Pastor Steve. Uh, I meet with a lot of pastors across the denomination. These past couple of years have been really, really hard and difficult for pastors coming through COVID and all of the changes and transitions and sometimes the tensions that have, have been there. So I want to thank you as a congregation for giving him this summer of sabbatical for healing and restoration. It's a wonderful gift and very timely. Well, as we open with prayer before Scripture, I'm going to ask you, in fact, to pray. And I'm going to give, give you a couple of seconds just to say, Lord, I want to hear from you today. And whatever you want me to hear as the word is open, um, I'm ready to listen. So I'll let you pray that silently. And then I'll close that prayer.
God, we know that you love to reveal yourself. You reveal yourself in creation and then the epitome of it all when you actually sent your son here to earth that we might see a representation of God our Father. And we know that as we yield ourselves to what you may have to say to us today, that even today you still want to speak into each of our hearts. So it's with confidence we pray this prayer, and now with anticipation we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what begins as simple often over time becomes complex. So if you're a baseball fan, you can begin to practice your cutoffs and infield shifts and suicide squeezes, but sometimes you just got to get back to how to catch a ball, throw a ball, and hit a ball. Just the basics. It was Vince Lombardi in 1961, coach of the Green Bay Packer football team who stood in front of his opening day of training camp with these professional football players in front of him. And he held up a ball and said, gentlemen, this is a football. You can't get more to the basics than that. Professional football player coach is saying, this gentleman is a football. Sometimes it's important for teachers and coaches to just bring us back to the basics. Start over with the foundational pieces upon which everything else is built. You know, religion can get kind of complex over time as well. In Jesus' day, the Jews had 613 statues of the law. 613. It started with 10, if you might recall, Mount Sinai, but over time it had continued to accumulate. And in the text we're about to read, Jesus brings his disciples back to the very basics. What does it mean to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus? So on this day in which we honor fathers, Jesus teaches us how to love our Heavenly Father. And on this day when we are convinced, as the poll was just taken here this morning, that we know that God loves us, the question is, how do we love God? That question is addressed here in the text we're about to read. Reading from Mark chapter 12, verses 38 or 28 through 34, build on the basics. Here we go. Mark 12, 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating other religious leaders, Jesus, and noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, of all the 613, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. And there is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. 
And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. On the dashboard of your automobile, there are various gauges that are worthy of our attention. The speedometer, for example, it's always good to take a little glance once in a while. Gas gauge, although that's kind of a sad thing to look at these days. For some of you who are more techy, there's that tachometer, what's the speed revolutions of the engine. And then there's those lights that you hope you never see on your dashboard. But nonetheless, they're there right in display in front of us because they're important as we monitor our car. I want you to think of the dashboard of your life for a moment this morning as we go through this text. There's going to be a dashboard, uh, a gauge in that dashboard of how am I loving God with all my heart? Another one for with all my soul and with all my mind and with all my strength. And we'll come back to this, but I just want to get you thinking as you monitor how are you loving God in return to the love that he has given to you. Let's start with the first one. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. It means to love God with all your compassion. Love God with all your heart. So we might ask, you know, do we really love God? Would those who just observed us worshiping say, that person loves God. I can see it in the way that they're devoted to him in their worship. With those who know us best, our children, our parents, our spouses, our best friends, would they know if they were to identify us and define us that there is a lover of God? Their heart is leaning towards God. Now, thankfully, loving God is, is more than just a matter of the will. So I'm going to tell you a story and then I'll explain why. I get Bicycle Magazine, and I was reading an article a while back about a man named James Mazzuccelli. James, on February 21, 2018, as a Navy flight pilot, was at Camp Pendleton in San Diego, and his helicopter crashed. He was rushed to the hospital, and his parents across the country in Jacksonville, Florida, were immediately notified, and they came out to San Diego as quickly as they could, spent just a few hours with James before he passed away. James was an organ donor. His heart was transplanted in another man from San Diego named Mike Cohen. Now, Mike made the decision as he was recovering that when he was capable and had fully adjusted to his new heart, he was going to ride his bicycle from San Diego, California to the gravesite of his donor in Jacksonville, Florida. And that indeed is what he did. 1,426 miles he pedaled, came upon the cemetery of where James was buried, and he knelt before that tombstone, giving thanks 
to the one who had given him new life. Now, an interesting side note. Mike did not like pizza. But after getting James' heart, suddenly he acquired a taste for it because James was a pizza lover. And it seems as though recipients can often take on the traits of their donor. Interesting fact. So let me bring it home. I said, we love God not just by an act of the will, but God helps us even love him. In Ezekiel 36, verse 26, we read this, I will give you a new heart. God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. When we decide to follow Jesus, we get a heart transplant. We are given the heart of Jesus, and then we take on the traits of our donor. If Christ's heart is in us, we will have a compassion for the things that he has a compassion for. We'll have a compassion for those who, who don't yet know him, who are spiritually lost. If Christ's heart burns and beats within us, we'll be bothered by the things that bother him, like injustice or poverty or suffering. And if that heart of God beats within us, we will bow gratefully as well before the cross and the empty tomb to give honor and praise and thanks to the one who changed our life forever and gave us new life. So as you think about the passions that you have, and particularly those that might align with the God who's changed your heart and changed that heart of stone to heart of flesh, what is it? that makes you smile? What is it that makes you sob? What is it that makes you just want to smash your fists because you're so angry? And could those be passions of God in the heart he's placed within you? So how could you more fully love the Lord with all your heart? It could simply on this Father's Day, be saying, God, I love you. Has he heard that roll off our lips lately? Lord, I love you. Matthew 6, 21 gives us another idea. It says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you want a bigger heart, live generously. So that first gauge, as you look at your dashboard, how are you loving God with all your heart, your passions, your emotion, your compassion? Jesus continues, love the Lord your God with all your soul. Now this one's tricky. How do you love God with your soul? What does it mean to love God with your soul? Mark Batterson, who wrote a book called Primal, said, loving God with your soul is like loving God with your wonder. I kind of like that. It's, it's, it's a 
it makes it more real and, and easy to understand. Because when we love someone with wonder, we, we recognize their beauty and we recognize their mystery and their awe. Love the Lord your God with all your soul or with your wonder. Here's a picture of wonder. In Revelation chapter 6 and 7, the lamb, who is the Christ figure in, in the story, has been opening up the seals on a scroll, and there are seven of them. And while this is happening, the angels and the saints are gathered around the throne of God, and they're, they're raising their hands, they're down on their knees, they're singing, they're crying out hallelujahs. There's just this cacophony of sound and motion. And then in chapter 8, when the lamb opens the last, the seventh of the seals. It says, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. What an interesting picture that is. Silence in heaven. It just went quiet for half an hour. That seventh seal opened up that the wonder, the mystery, caused heaven to go silent for a half an hour. They were left speechless. It was a moment of wonder. It was a moment of loving God with their soul. Wonder is like giving God a standing ovation. It's humbly giving credit to the one who deserves it. I've had the privilege of worshiping with Christians in India and in Nepali-speaking congregations. And the one thing that, that both of these ethnic groups do is if they, as they came into the sanctuary, that entire lobby would be filled with their shoes and sandals. They take them off, and it's quite a picture, actually, of all these shoes and sandals as they come in barefoot in the sanctuary. They come in with that expectation. We are coming into the very presence of God in the wonder, the awe, the mystery of being with the Creator Himself who's coming to visit us. Flashback to the days in the Old Testament, if you're familiar with Moses in that burning bush, when he comes to that bush that isn't consumed, and the voice out of the bush says, take off your sandals, you're standing on holy ground. Loving God with our wonder, our souls. You know, when we pray, if you're like me and most people, we quickly jump into our prayers of what we call intercession or petition. God, heal. God, comfort. God, protect. We immediately begin praying for what we want or what we want for others. Let me invite you to start your prayers differently for a while and start with prayers of adoration. Before we jump into our request, just say, God, you are you're here. You're forgiving. You're gracious. You have all the wisdom in the world. You always have been. You always will be. Just think of the attributes of God that you may have been familiar with from Scripture, or the names of God, and just dwell there for a moment before you rush off into your requests. And if you're like me, after you've done that for a bit, the request just seems so insignificant because you know God's got it. There's this sense of confidence in this God. So just praying prayers of adoration to start. I've also lately just been learning to pray on my knees again. Uh, by the way, that was a habit I learned from my parents, my mom and dad, every night. They'd walk into the darkened living room 
and kneel by their favorite chair and pray. In fact, I was uh, visiting my mom in the nursing home after my dad had died, and I looked at the sofa, and I said, Mom, what's that dark stain in the back cushion? She said, oh, that's from your dad's hair from praying at night. What a beautiful image. But to pray on our knees, just to remind ourselves we are who we are, and God is who he is, loving God with our soul. And here, friends, creation is our curriculum. Our bodies, this comes from Mark Batterson as well, just think, while you're sitting there, this is all happening and we're unaware of it. We're unconscious of it. Listen, your body is inhaling oxygen. It's metabolizing energy, maintaining equilibrium, producing hormones, repairing tissues, purifying toxins, digesting food, exhaling carbon dioxide, and circulating blood. And as you read, millions of electrical impulses are firing across billions of synaptic pathways, and you don't even give it a second thought. That's just our bodies, how miraculous they are. We have no understanding of all that's going on right now as we passively sit. But it's also wonder is the, recognizing the, the awe in a baby's giggle or a spouse's touch or the darting of a hummingbird or the wonder of how do woodpeckers never get a concussion? Or a few weeks ago, how does this dead, wrinkly, shriveled seed that I'm placing into my garden, which seems to have no promise of life, sprout about two weeks later, and now I have bean plants and zucchini and kale. How could that be? It is a miracle. Creation is our curriculum. Or look into the night sky. As children, we sang, twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder, how I wonder what you are. Staring into the night sky is good for your wonder. It's good for your soul. So where and when might you immerse yourself in creation this week? And look at the world with fresh eyes of wonder and awe. Or maybe it is to start your prayers with some adoration. Just dwell there for a while when you talk to God. Ponder his attributes. So gauge number two. How are you loving God with all your soul, with all your wonder? Number three. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your compassion. Love the Lord with all your soul, or wonder. And love the Lord your God with all your mind. Again, I find Mark to be helpful here in just saying, loving the Lord your God with your curiosity. It's a fresh way of looking at it. How do we love the Lord our God with our mind? And how do we recognize a person who's curious? They ask a lot of questions. In fact, the teacher of the law who opens this text and opened it up for us as well, started it with a question. Which of the 613 laws is the greatest? Thank goodness he asked the question because we 
we get the answer centuries later. He was curious, and he asked. He wanted to know. I think too often we're content to stop learning and live off our memory. Did you know that the average college graduate only reads two books a year? Neurologists estimate that we have the capacity, each one of us, to learn something new every second of every minute of every hour of every day for the next 300 million years. This little three-pound softball-sized brain in our heads has capacity to learn something every second for the next 300 million years. There's plenty of room for curiosity. But when we stop learning, we stop loving. What if I had said to my wife about five years into our marriage, I, I, I think I know enough about you now. Let's call it good. And quit being curious to learn more about her upbringing, her family, her values. How does she think about different things? It's because we're in ongoing relationship still learning more and more about one another, that love can be kindled. How can we expect anything different in our relationship with God? To just say, you know, I went through Sunday school for three, four, five years when I was a kid, that's good enough. How can we be in a love with a God who we don't know? Love the Lord your God with all your mind. Be curious about creation. Can you imagine Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden at the very beginning of all time. Just taking a couple paces into the Garden of Eden, plopping down on a rock and just say, hmm, good enough, when there was so much to explore. There is so much to explore. There, in fact, are more than 10 galaxies per person alive today. For each one of us in that vast universe, there are 10 galaxies and we hardly know what is on Earth, one planet in one galaxy. Be curious about creation. Be curious about Scripture. Do you have some question marks in the margins of your Bible, like, I don't get this, I don't understand this, does it make sense with this and that? Are you curious about what you read? And willing then to look for answers, read a commentary, commentary, ask someone you trust. Be curious about God's Word, about church history, about theology. So as an application, here's a suggestion. Read something new, maybe a topic. Pick up a magazine about something you have known nothing about. Meet new people, go to new places. Become an expert on something like trees or wildflowers or birds. Explore a puzzling passage of Scripture. Start a Bible study or a book club. Or just ask three curiosity questions every day that you might learn more about this world that God's placed you in. Loving the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your curiosity. How's that gauge on your dashboard? Are you loving the Lord your God with all your mind? And then Jesus concludes, 
and love the Lord your God with all your strength. Love the Lord your God with your action. Love the Lord your God with your energy. Someone said that God enjoys the smell of sweat. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Or in the parable of talents that Jesus speaks, he talks about that one steward, and he says to him at the end, well done, good and faithful servant. He didn't say well thought or well said. He said well done, loving the Lord our God with all our strength. It's not enough just to be theologically sound or biblically literate, but to love the Lord our God with all our strength. And in doing so, let me just challenge you to do something risky, something that takes an act of faith, something that's over your head. My experience is that God never calls us to do something we're capable of. There's always something that he's got to show up for it to work. And we have to step out in faith. After all, our goal in life is not just to arrive safely at death. I think of the prayers that I prayed over my children as they were growing up, and I want to do over. Because my prayers for them were that they would be safe and that they would be secure and that they would be protected. Not that those are wrong prayers. But if I really wanted to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I would probably pray this way this day. And I'm now for my grandchildren. Lord, may they experience the adventure of following you. May they take steps of leap, leaps of faith. May they fall forward. May they boldly risk for you. May they be resilient. And may they always be willing to surrender to your will for them. Love the Lord your God with all your strength. Some ways we can do that. Maybe show hospitality. In particular to someone who doesn't yet know Jesus. Someone in your circle of sphere of relationships. Show hospitality to them. Maybe write a letter to someone this afternoon, a missionary, a grieving friend, a long lost classmate, someone in prison. You know, mow a neighbor's yard when they're gone this summer. Volunteer for disaster relief or short-term missions. Or just simply start with a yes when your services are requested. How is your strength gauge? Are you loving the Lord your God physically with all your strength? So love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. I just want to pause a moment on one word, all. With all. Not half-hearted, or half of your soul, or part of your mind, or strength, but all. Complete allegiance. Undivided devotion. And all, meaning all of the above. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
had a flat tire on a trailer one time, and I was kneeling down, contemplating what I'm going to do next. And my young daughter at the time looked over my shoulder, and she looks at it and she says, Daddy, just use the other side. I mean, three quarters of this tire looks good. Why don't we just use that? And sometimes we think that, you know, if, if I'm loving God well with my mind and my soul and my heart, that's good enough. But if I'm not physically also loving him, sometimes we just give ourselves a pass that we're, we're pretty good. We've, we've done two of the four or three of the four, but to do all four. So let me just invite us to get back to the basics today. You know, Jesus says this is the most important law. Love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. These are the love languages of God. And I invite you to survey those gauges. And maybe which gauge do you need to pay attention to? In fact, I'm going to give you a, a moment to think about that before you leave here this morning. Now, those four gauges, where are you getting prompted today? Don't get overwhelmed. Don't try to do it all. But is it your heart, your soul, your mind, or your strength? And take one of those and say, this week, I want to love God more in this way. So I'm going to pause, let you think about it for a moment, and then we'll finish. Okay, with that thought in mind, let me also encourage you to tell somebody today so you're held accountable that this is what I want to do in returning God's love back to him. Let's pray. God, first of all, we thank you that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, that you loved us when we were so unlovable. And you made that first step towards us, and you confirmed it in flesh and blood with Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. But it didn't end there. You, you raised him from the dead. You ascended him back where he sits at your right hand. And Lord, we are fully indebted to you for our very breath. And we're indebted to you for our eternity, which starts right here on earth. Forgive us when we have selfishly taken your love for us, but not in return given love back to you. We want this week to reawaken the ways that we can express that love and draw our relationship closer again. Lord, you've heard the thoughts of everyone in this room. You know what their intentions are. Lord, I pray for reminders throughout the week and that the beauty of being in that deeper, loving relationship with you will be something that just sparks a new life uh, in the stimulation of our spiritual lives. We pray this in Jesus' name.